Okay, that song actually has a lot to do with what I'm going to be talking about. It says, you know, he says, you know, his original feeling was that the world wasn't listening, the world hadn't had peace, and yet God said that it did, which caused a consternation for him. And uh, so let's open a prayer as we look at this. We're going to read three sections of scripture today. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we have to come before you. Lord, we ask you to teach and instruct us as we go through this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And in verse 16, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will, for, will not forget your word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And Romans 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As we close out this year, I just want us to think about where are we with God what are we looking at with God? It's been a challenge and a thought on my mind as I've gone through some struggles this, this week, and it keeps coming to my mind, do I trust God? You know, and, you know, in most cases, I would say, yes, I trust God. But, you know, God has this habit of taking what we think we know and asking us and putting us in a situation that says, do you really believe this? You know, and this is something that we want to look at. You know, Psalm 19, 119 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then we read the other one in verse 16 that said, you know, and I'm not going to forget your statutes. Okay? How many times do we forget God's words when we're in the middle of a challenge? We forget his promises when we're in the middle of a challenge. It happens to us frequently. You know, it might be a financial issue where all could say, you know, this bill doesn't look like it's going to get paid, and, and God says, trust in me. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I can take care of you. you know, I, in Proverbs 3, he says that, he's, that if we trust in the Lord with all our heart, he will fill our wine presses and our barns, which in those days meant banks. <laughs> you know, but yet, how many times when we get into that situation do we say, God, you, I just don't know that you can do this. I really want us to, this year, concentrate on putting God first in everything and taking his word and putting it first. You know, all scripture is given by inspiration. That means every word in the Bible, God put there. We can trust it. We can depend on it. When he says he's our provider, he will provide. When he says he's our shelter, he will protect us. When he says he's our buckler and our shield, he will protect us from the enemy. In Romans 8.28, when he says all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, that means all things work together for good. Now, most of us, when we read that verse, we read it like this. Some things work together for good. Or at least we live that way. Okay, we probably read it the right way, but we live like only some things work together for good. And we'll look at something and say, well, God, this is just miserable, terrible. How can this be for good? And God says, it'll be for good. You know, 
we need to keep these things in mind. When we go through these trials, are we putting our focus on God? I fail it as much as anybody else. Don't, don't, I don't think I'm preaching at you all. It's a lesson that God has been showing me for about two weeks now because I've been going through some things and it's been, God, I'm going to hold on to your truth. And sometimes I haven't held on to his truth, just as you all do. We all have the same problem. When we're in the middle of a trial, sometimes we forget God's word and not pay attention to it. God says all things work together for good. God says he is a good God. You know, and he loves us. You know, this is the amazing thing. If you go and spend any time with any other religion out there, you never know for sure whether you're going to please the deity or not. Because all they have is a whole bunch of rules, and if you don't follow them, then he's going to punish you. Or she, in some cases. There's, there's female goddesses out there as well. And they just punish you. Some Christian denominations have this same attitude that a God is just a hated, hating individual that doesn't love you and you're out of, out of luck if you do bad things. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now we have this trouble as Christians, you know, we'll look at it every, well, I know you accepted Jesus and I know you're going to heaven, but... You don't seem to be living like it. And I have that same problem. I look at people and go, are you living the way you're supposed to for God? Not out of my own works, but him changing me. Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world. Many, many Christians have been conformed to this world. You look at them and you would not know that they were a Christian looking at their life. They act like the world, they talk like the world, they, they think like the world, and do everything like the world. And you look at them and say, okay, you may be a Christian, that's between you and God, but you're being conformed to the world. And we're told, be not conformed. How do we do that? We renew our mind. How do we renew our mind? We get into God's word. I've been really sharing this a lot with people. You know, one of the things I'm really looking forward in our church is that we start talking about what is God doing in your life? What is he sharing with you when we come together? Because it is sad to me when I get together with Christians and we never talk about Jesus. We never talk about God at all. And it's one thing if you're only there 5, 10, 15 minutes. But if you're with somebody for an hour and God doesn't come up, the Bible doesn't come up, what God has done in your life doesn't come up, how important is he into you, into your life? You know, you all know and I know, you can find out very quickly what's important to somebody. This time of year, you get all kinds of people talking about the playoffs for the NFL. They become very important to them. And you all of a sudden learn very quickly, they're a NFL uh, sports nut. Or at the same time of year, we have the college bowl season coming in, and they'll talk about their favorite college team. And you'll know that this person, college football is important to them. What is important to you? What do you talk about when you go amongst other people? Does God get any mention at all in your life? Does he come up at all? Can you go days without mentioning God and the Bible to somebody? 
And people go, well, pastor, you're just a pastor. You're supposed to do that. Well, that's been my lifestyle since I got saved. I love God's word, and I love to tell people about it. Why? Because he's important to me. He's the center of my life. And I really want to encourage us in our church and those who listen to us on the Internet, let's make God the center of our life this year. If you're going to make any resolutions, and I really don't recommend making resolutions, but make a resolution that God is going to be the center of your life. And they ask him to help you make him the center of your life. Now, having said that, no matter how close and how much you know God, he's never going to be the center of your life completely. One of the things that I have learned over many years is every time I think I've got something down and pat, God puts me in a situation that shows me that I really don't understand it deep enough. Why? Because it's all him. Everything is centered in him, and he is infinite. And we talk about this many times. God is infinitely more than anything we can think of. You think about how strong he is, you're not thinking strong enough. You think about how big he is, you're not thinking big enough. You think about all that he knows, you're not thinking, you're not thinking big enough. You know, it's amazing to me is how God says he knows me, and I don't even know myself, and he proves it to me over and over and over again. When I think, oh, God, I've, I've got it down. I, I'm a very forgiving person. I forgive. I've got this forgiveness thing down pat, and he'll put somebody in my life that is very hard to forgive. Just to show me that I'm nowhere near where he is on forgiveness. He'll, he'll go, God, I, I think I, I think I got it down. I, I love most of the people, and God will make sure there's somebody in there that I don't love or find hard to love. God is going to challenge us because he does not want us staying in our earthly mindset on any area of our life. He is going to challenge it. You know, we think we've been a great parent, and he says, well, let me show you how you weren't. You know, I've been a great grandparent. Let me show you how you're not being the great grandparent. You know, God, I've, I've got this part down. I, I, am a, I am a studier, and he says, well, let me show you how you're not studying deep enough. It's an amazing thing to me that the Bible is so full that we'll never understand it all. Our life in Christ is so all-encompassing that we'll never understand what true life in Christ is all about. Don't ever think that you've arrived because God will show you that you're not there yet. The only time we're going to have arrived is when we get glorified and we end up in heaven. We die and we go to heaven and we get our glorified body and our glorified mind. And even there, I believe God's going to be teaching us for eternity because he is always going to be greater than us. The good news up there is we won't forget what we learn. I'm looking forward to the day when I won't forget what God has shown me. Because so often I have to relearn it every time I get into a section of scripture and go, okay, God, oh, yeah, that's what this was about. Okay, oh, yeah. And he goes deeper. But, you know, my look for us today is we look into a new year. How important is God in your life? Are you making him Lord? Are you allowing him to crucify more of your flesh? He is not looking at what we can do. That leads to what the, the video was all about. People learning that, you know, God doesn't like you if you don't do something. God knows that we're not going to be able to be perfect. Sometimes we don't know that we can't be perfect until, we get, until God puts us in the right test. We tend to think, okay, God, I've, I've made it. I've, I've arrived. I'm, I'm here. And God says, you know, we're close. 
And you're, hopefully you're closer than you were a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. God is crucifying our flesh and making us more like him. We should be more like him with each passing year. And if we look back, we go, oh, man, God, thank you. I've, I've come so far. And God says, okay, look the other direction. <laughs> You've got a long ways to go. And we need to quit trying to look back. Quit trying to compare ourselves with other people. You know, it's an amazing thing that everybody, when they compare themselves to somebody else, looks good. Because we're very careful about who we pick. Uh, out at the prison, every one of those guys think they're good guys. Most of them. I shouldn't say every one of them. There's a couple of them know they're not good. But every one of them will tell you, well, I'm a really good guy. You know, I'm better than all the other guys that I know. Well, all the other guys you know are prisoners. You know, uh, you're better than, other, than, in, than your average prisoner. I Really, you're doing a good job. But don't we do the same thing? You know, we would do the same thing. God, you know, I'm better than so many people. And we look at all the people that we know aren't doing as well as we are. Very rarely do we look at people doing better at us to be challenged. And even that is not going to get us any pleasure with God. If we could be the best human being on the world, I'm talking the best. You do everything. You're, you're kind. You're loving. You're, you're still, God's comparison says, I'm not comparing you to other human beings. I'm comparing you to my son, who was perfect. Our eyes must be on Jesus. When our eyes are on Jesus, he will show us who we are. Now, the good news is he will also show us who he says we are. He says that we're his child. We're perfect. We're righteous. Now, we know looking at ourselves that we're not. But the good news is God sees us clothed in Christ. That doesn't mean we go out and sin, okay? You know, Paul, Paul addressed this, you know, grace will abound when among, um, over sin. And he goes, should we go out and sin? He said, God forbid. We all do plenty of sinning without having to go purposely sin. But when God looks at us, he says, this is a perfect child. This is my perfect child. And if you've ever worked with the parents, you know, most parents, when you tell them their kids have been misbehaving, will tell you, not my child. There's a handful that don't. But I worked for 40 years in the children's ministry, and more often than not, I would hear, not my child. My child would never do anything like that. <coughs> God says the same thing about us, but in our case, he looks and says, they're clothed in Jesus Christ. They're perfect. Why? Because God sees who we will be. We talk about this in so many times. God is omnipresent, which includes all of time. God already knows what we will be when we are glorified. When God the Father looks at us, he says, this is my perfect child. I see them as they will be. Not who they are now, <coughs> but who I made them to be when they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and ask for forgiveness for their sins, and I clothe them in Jesus Christ, I see them as perfect. He skips all those years in between where we're learning to be not conformed to this world, being transformed. Our job is to get in the Word and let Him transform us. Let Him crucify us. He wants to destroy us, our flesh, 
so that we can truly live the way we're supposed to be. We can't imagine what it was like. Can you even think about what it must have been like to be Adam and Eve? A perfect world. No, no extreme cold days, no extreme hot days, no storms, no blizzards, no hurricanes, no tornadoes, just taking care of the garden. What a hard job it was. <laughs> perfect garden, no weeds. Uh, couldn't kill them like I would with, a, with, a, with too much water or whatever. You know, I've all shared with you, I cannot take care of plants. Don't ever ask me to watch a plant if you want it, want it to live. It, it dies. Not on purpose. Uh, you know, but I could have, in the Garden of Eden, I could have grown, grown vegetables. <laughs> it was perfect. And then they sinned. What a shock in the world that was, the sin of man, bringing man to death, spiritual death, bringing the world into death. All of a sudden, thorns and thistles and weeds existed. All the bad things happened. People started dying. Now, it took them several hundred years to die, but they started dying. Cain killed his brother. His brother didn't get to live several hundred years. Violence started happening. That was not the world that God created. So what did he have to do? He says, we're going to send Jesus to die. <coughs> and we've talked about that. That happened even before the foundation of the world, before they even created anything. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world because God knew what would happen. He knew that we would all be in this room today. He knew who would not be in this room and taking care of you know, sicknesses and family or whatever. He knew that as well. He knows what's coming. He says that we are perfect in Christ when we have accepted Jesus Christ. He loves us. He loves us. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> You know, who knows why God loves us? He chooses to. He loves us. Not only us in this room, but every other person in this town, everybody else in this state, this country, the world. Those, he loves those who he knows are going to reject Jesus Christ. And Jesus died for their sins. The sin that's going to send them to hell is rejecting Jesus Christ. When they reject Jesus Christ, there is no hope. What does it mean to put your trust in him? Well, we've talked about this very often. You know, the Bible tells us that the demons believe in Jesus. They're not going to heaven. Theirs is not a salvation belief. I talk to a lot of people who go, well, I believe in God. Well, I'm glad you believe in God. What do you believe about God? You know, well, I think I'm going to heaven. Why? Well, because I'm generally a pretty good person. Well, that's not what God says. A lot of people will make up their own God. Well, you know, I don't really know if I want to believe in the God of the Bible. I'm just going to make up my own God, and my God just loves everybody. Everybody will go to heaven. Well, I'm sorry. That's not who God is. God loves us, but he provided the forgiveness of our sins to Jesus Christ. We need to be very careful about 
what do we believe and why do we believe it? We need to be able to go back to the scriptures and say, this is what it says. This is who God is. God has forgiven me because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and I will spend eternity with him because I put my full trust in Jesus. I talk about putting trust in, and you know, we think about this. What does it mean to put your whole trust in something? Well, one time at a summer camp, I went and did rappelling. Now, I was the adult counselor, and I was not much lighter than I am today at that time. And they had this little skinny rope. And it, there had to come a point when you're going down that wall where you have to say, will this rope hold me? And when you go over the wall with that little thin rope and put all your weight on that rope, that is what trust is. Do you have that trust in Jesus? There is no way to heaven without Jesus. If you're trying to hedge your bet saying, well, Jesus, I'm believing in you, and I'm going to do as many good works as I can to try to earn heaven, you don't have the right trust in Jesus. If you have trust in Jesus and say, well, Jesus, I think it's you, but you know, I'm going to go worship Buddha as well. You know, maybe between the two of you I can get, oh, let's throw Islam in there just to, just to be. And now we'll put, you know, uh, Krishna in there. We'll put all these different things in there because I just want to cover all my bets. You don't have the right trust in Jesus. His trust is to give up all other options. I have done that. If Jesus isn't who he says it is, I have no future. If the word of God isn't true, I have no future. Because I put my entire trust in his word. I put my whole trust in Jesus. If he isn't true, there's no hope. I challenge each one that's listening to this on the internet and in this room. Is that the trust you have for Jesus? That if he isn't who he says it is, you have no hope. Because that's the only thing that will get us into heaven. Jesus said he was the narrow gate. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If he didn't tell the truth and there's some other way, then we're without hope. We really are. The good news is, the more I follow and the more I see that his word is true, the more that I know that he is who he says he is. I, my hope, my faith, my trust in him only gets stronger year by year as I watch him Keep his word, that he is good. You know, God is good all the time. And we need to keep this in mind. All things work together. If you're called by God, all things work together for good. We may not understand it. We may not even see how it's going to be for good. But it will be for good. Where is your trust? Where is your hope? I really want us to be able to look at this and say, God, what is it that you want? I want us to know that we know that we know that we know Jesus. There is nobody out there that can tell me I don't know Jesus and I, and I have not been in a relationship with God because I have been in a relationship with God for all these years, 40 plus years. I've been in a relationship with God. Nobody can tell me that there is no God because I know there is one. We're very good friends over, year, over those years. I'm not, and 
you need to be in that same place. What is your testimony? How is God touching your life? I want to challenge us this week, and we'll sing a couple of songs here in just a moment. I want to challenge us this week. Look at who God is in your life. Is he Lord? Is he Master? Is he Savior? Is he changing your life? Because I'd like to see revival sweep through this, this church and through our town and through this state. And it will only start when we look and say, God, you are who you say you are. You are the only way to heaven. There is no other way. That doesn't mean we all go out and say, okay, I'm, I'm saved. I can go do whatever I want. Because that would be an indication that you're not saved. If he's not ruling in your heart, that would be an indication that he's not ruling in your heart. Look at your life and say, God, do I know you? Am I close to you? Are you becoming more and more important in my life? Look back over this, next, this last year and say, God, do I know you more? Am I, am I closer to you today than I was a year ago, two years ago? But don't spend your whole time looking back. After you've looked and examined, look forward. I can tell you there's many in this, in this church that I know that God has gotten hold of their lives because I can see the change in their hearts and their life. There's some I'm not so sure about. That's between you and God. But there's some in this church that I go, that person is really getting hold on, on fire for God. Only you can really get down to that decision between you and God. God, do I fully trust you? Is all my hope in you? you know, am I being glorified? God wants to make us his children. He wants to sanctify us. He wants to make us perfect. But it's him that does the work. All we do is let him crucify us and kill our flesh, and then he lives out. And the more he lives out on us, the easier it is to forgive people, the easier it is to love people, the easier it is to, to do good works, the easier it is to say, God, I'm going to give you whatever you ask for, because he is the one that's coming out of you. So that is the challenge I have for us. Where are we with God? Let's bow our heads. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come before you. Lord, you know the people that you're working on in their hearts. Lord, if there's anybody in this room or on the Internet that listens to this that doesn't know you, we ask that today they put their full trust in you and get rid of all other options to make it to heaven and that they allow you to start changing their, their lives. Lord, for everybody else who does know you, we ask that you will become more important to them with each passing day, that they will actually say a prayer, Lord, help crucify my flesh and be more and more in my life and my heart. And we just thank you for all of that, Lord, and ask you to be with us and show us your love and kindness. In Jesus' name, amen.